Right, welcome to the very first episode of Gutterplatz. I'm assuming I pronounced that right, Tom. As close as you're going to get, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically, we're just going to be talking about football, the latest week in Elite Sillian, and we'll just go from there. First of all, what's everyone drinking? Black coffee, because it's the most popular drink in Norway. Uh, and, yeah, I've even showed to the camera, I've got a 100-year-old Uncan mug. Nice. Uh, so what, the mug's actually 100 is... years old? No, unfortunately not. Um, but it's, it was to celebrate the 100th birthday in 2018 so uh no that's my drink what about you james i'm sat here in classic student style with a can of monster uh lacking sleep so it's time to like wake myself up get into the football busy evening tonight so gotta get myself alert so i think i'm the only one with an interesting drink then i have yeah um i don't know if you can read that um space it's called space paranoids crazy hazy ipa God knows what that is. It sounds dangerous. <laughs> In my Game of Thrones stein that I got from Dubrovnik. So that's what I'll be that's what I'll be trying. And ideally well, absolutely nothing to do with Norway then. You've got a cup from Dubrovnik and an IPA that's Oh yeah, yeah. I'll be Norway. going around the world. I'll be going around the world. Maybe next episode <laughs> I'll use my Norway mug, you know? Um and I don't know if I can even get Norwegian beer um over here. I'm sure I must be able to. But yeah. I'll be going around the world, don't worry about it, don't worry about that at all. I'm going to kick us off with what I think is, well, was the result of the week last week. I think you both know what I'm going to say. Rosenberg 3, Lidstrom 1. We're vying for silver in the league. That That is a great win. 3-1, absolutely battered them. Could have won that game 7-1, let's face it. We should have scored more than three in that, but that, that, that was just, that was the game that we couldn't afford to lose. Are you going to hop yeah. over the fact? Are you going to hop over the fact that the first goal was about four meters offside? Oh yeah, yeah. Like it was. It was absolutely. I cannot believe. <laughs> I cannot believe they've missed that. That is absolutely insane. Like, See, I, was like I watched that back earlier. Without that was having mad. Watch replays of it. I was like, I swear he is more offside. <clears throat> he is more offside than any human has any right to be. I didn't actually like go back and watch it again to clarify that, but I was like, there, there is just no way. Oh yeah, there's no debate about it. At all, he's miles offside. But the point that I'm making is, you look at our our away form this season. The amount of games that we've squandered, you know, like just recently we lost to Halgerson two one. It's it's that kind of thing. This was a game that if if we win this, seconds on. If we don't, then it's pretty much done. Unless obviously Lillestrøm do capitulate and you know fall in on themselves for the rest of the season, which I still think they will do. They could easily finish fourth this season. I wouldn't be too surprised if they did, but that kind of highlighted the mentality in the Rosenborg camp at the moment. I think that we feel like, yeah, second place is ours to lose now sort of thing. So yeah, to win that game, I think was a massive, massive three points. Yeah. Your team just looks really complete right now. Like Tengstead and Sert are working together just fantastically week after week. It doesn't seem like it's going to stop. Like it's just away from every, home. Yeah, that's the only concern. So, so let's ask the question then to the biggest Rosenberg fan in the room. Why is it that way? Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't think I have an answer for that. Um, I mean, I think Lurkendal, obviously, there's a special resonance there maybe with the you know, with the players and the fans. They're connected. Obviously, we know that um, regional football has a big part of the mentality and the fortitude of a lot of these players and fans and that, you know, like we said before, the amount of players that return home or, or like don't like to go too far away from where they grew up or um, the academies that they were part of. 
So I think maybe it's just that we have such a strong affinity to the stadium and the fans, and then we go away, and that lessens. I don't know. I, you know, it has to be a mental thing. I think it's a mental thing more yeah. than anything. And I think as well, if you look at the way that we started off this season, Carlo Holzer didn't have a place in the team for the first what seven weeks, maybe. He 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 was in and out of the squad. He wasn't playing in his preferred place. You know, you and I have talked about this time as well earlier on in the season where we're looking at him going, he he just doesn't fit this system. Whereas you look at him now, he's one of the most important players that we have. When you play him just inside a tag Sethel Pereira on the left, you know, we we're moving forward with him. He can push up outside, push up through the middle. You know, he looks really, really good and he looks integral. But you go away from home and I don't know. I just I just think it's part of the fact that we've taken a while to get things going in the right direction. Do you have any concerns for the week ahead? Like Christiansen have won three home games on the bounce now. You come against us away from home. You're talking about your away form not being so great. Yeah, and this is the thing. It's like, whether it's optimism or not, I still think that's a game that will turn around and come away from with a decent result. As you know, as good as Christiansen's home form has been, as bad as Rosenborg are away from home, I just can't see that being a game that we lose. I would yeah. I would concede that we could maybe draw that game. I don't think we're gonna I don't think any Rosenborg fan expects us to go and win that game 4-0 or to have a comfortable time there. Um but I just think the biggest issue that's played Christiansen all season is the lack of consistency. Yeah. Just home or away, whatever <laughs> it is. There's one consistency that is the reason. And the consistency is is the captain. Because when the captain of Christensen has not played, which is very much the case the first 15 games, 14 mm. games, Christensen were to open, they 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 lacked uh, leadership on the pitch. And, and you could see they were trying to do the right things in terms of the way they played. I know statistically they are way under points-wise and everything they should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's no coincidence to me that when he made his comeback, I think it was round 14, uh, against Odd, I think they got yeah, a point it against was Odd. Fifteen against Odd. Yeah, uh, they got a point against Odd. They lost to Sunderfield away midweek, and then they came to Briskeby and, and won one nil. And since then, they've kept results. Mm. And then he goes out after seven minutes against Goodsir, and then they capitulate again. So f- for me, it's it's no coincidence when he's been in the team. Christensen have looked far better. Yeah, uh, and for me. Again, I'm not trying to talk down Rosenborg because I think that they deserve a lot of credit for what they've done across the year. But I think the result of, of Sunday very much hinges on that. Because if that if Christensen play with, with Ulberstar as a central defender, I can see Rosenborg getting it hard because I think then they'll be organised, they'll they'll have a bit of bit more pride, a bit more passion, um, and make it more uncomfortable for Rosenborg, which clearly at the minute is what they struggle with. You know, yeah. they've got some fantastic players, but when it gets a little bit uncomfortable, um, you know, the, the two games they've lost away from home in the last two rounds or last two away rounds have been against teams that are very good at home. So yeah. Chumsa haven't dropped a point since they changed their pitch in June. Uh, I think there's seven wins in a row now or on the bounce. Um, and Haugesson historically are always far better at home than they are away. Yeah, that is yeah. fair. Um, yeah. So, you know, Christian Sun is it's no... It's no coincidence, again, that they're picking up points at home now with everything that's gone on. Uh, and I think Augusta will be the centre of it in terms of what happens this weekend. See, this is what I love to hear. Like, towards the end of last season, Christensen-Rosenborg felt like a close game. When we talked about it earlier on this season, it was 
how many are Rosenborg going to win by. But it seems that we're back to the way of last season. And that's encouraging for me as a Christian fan and hoping that like we can somewhat keep up the challenge to stay up this season. It looks way more possible than it has at any other point this season. And I mean, that can only be a positive. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, you've got uh, Kartum and Kaludra. If they're on form, they're two very... Very, very nice players to have, like, especially, especially Kaludra. Like, when he's in the mood, his creativity can get off the charts. So, I think it's going to come down to those two as well. But I just think now it's sort of like sink or swim for Rosenborg. How much do we want to finish second? Like, we've got to be finishing top three at least. And you look at the, I'm just looking at the table now. Volarenga fifth, 39 points. Glimt fourth, 42. Rosenborg third, 43. And Lillestrom second, 44. Any one of those four teams can get second. Yeah. So I think now we come to the part of the season where it's almost like the twilight zone sort of thing where your the mentality of those players is going to transcend what's happened before in the season. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's about who's mentally toughest out of all those teams. And you would say glimpsed, right? You look at the last couple of seasons, their mental fortitude, but then you look at the way that they've been playing lately and... I don't get much confidence from them. No. And there's Europe on the cards, obviously. Like that's going to be a huge factor, especially over the next few games. We had a little talk before we started recording about the way those Arsenal games will affect their their performance against Lillestrom this week. I think they could struggle there more than you'd normally expect them to. Obviously, Sanya Ford in between the two Arsenal games isn't too bad of a fixture to have there. But mm. in general, I think that's going to play a, a big factor and obviously something Rosenborg don't have to struggle with this year. So could end up making all the difference no exactly exactly um what about you two result of the week do you have anything for that what we're we thinking james can die me that mine was rosenberg Lillestrom for different reasons but i'll come back to them in a minute i've gone for strum's good sets dominant win over christians and after three home wins on the bounce that i've already mentioned i expected christiansen to put up a challenge but as Tom rightly said, Overstack goes out and Christensen completely fell apart. Mm. Godsa dominated the entire game. Hover played exceptionally. Everyone just stepped up. And Godsa's form's not been there either. So to see them step up in such a manner when presented the opportunity to do so was, I think that was very impressive from them. And I, I'm not sure how the game against Volarenga is going to go this weekend. I'd expect Volarenga to win that. But mm. maybe without Sarui, maybe with Trump's good set, with this bit of form in them now, perhaps they can go there and put up a fight. Yeah, I mean, I I think with the Goodser game, um, one of the things that stood out was just how many shots we're talking about. Obviously, Goodser had more shots than Christiansen, but they had twice as many in the box as well. So that just yeah. sort of shows you it was kind of one-way traffic in and around the areas. Um, that was one of the things that Christiansen really just they, just, they just couldn't stop them coming into the box. It was as simple as that. They just they just could not defend their area well enough, whereas Goodson were able to to deal with that. And you look at Grugar as well, two assists. I banged on about him at different points in the season for different reasons, and I think he's one of those players that, you know, you give him a chance and he's going to be producing, but that's not really been synonymous with his season this season. So it's really nice to see him get a couple of assists, and, you know, and they were decent assists as well. But Herver, when, when Herver plays like that, you're going to win the game. You know, yeah. I think it's. I just think it's as simple as that. He he really has the talent. His goals were nice. It was a really good performance. And obviously for fantasy, um, it was really great when Christensen got that ridiculously worthless penalty right at the end of the game and wiped the clean sheet. <laughs> just wiped out my double clean sheet. I knew it would happen. I knew it would happen. I was watching the game and I was like, yep, yep. 
this is going to happen. Yeah, double clean sheet. Yeah, we're, we're going to just take those eight points away. Yeah, that's great. That's great. But yeah, no, I, th- I think Goodson haven't got a chance in Hal against Enger this weekend. I think that's a really straightforward win for for Revola Renga. I just think they're way too strong. And you look at Amor Leuni as well. If he's coming back into some form, that's yeah. that's that's a player. That is a player. And, you know, he's coming to criticism because he's one of those um, luxury players, you know, the Rolex players, you know. But thing is, he's, he is lethal. He's dangerous. And one of the things that I've mentioned quite a bit about Volarenga this season is their ability to get the ball forward, play smart passes, deep completions, that sort of thing. And a lot of that hinges on Saru. Saru will get the ball and he'll run it past the defence and pull it back. And he'll pull it back across goal and he links up with other players so well. Like, he he is the best in the yeah. league for that by a mile. Like, it's not even close. The thing is, if he is out, then yeah, admittedly, that's not great for them. But you look at Toby Christensen, he's coming into a bit of form. He yes. looks more like the player that we thought he was going to be when he first joined Volarenga. I don't know what the news is over there in Norway, Tom, but I expected big things when Christensen joined Volarenga when he first moved. I thought he was going to be a really decent player. I think it was seen that obviously he came from, he went from start to Molder, and that's a big jump for anybody. Molder are one of the best in Norway at buying players young in the league below or in the lower teams and then polishing them uh, over a year or two and then selling them on big. Um, what was interesting about this one was Christensen only lasted one season and I think that that was surprising then he made yeah. the move to Voringer and I think people saw it as a coup then for Voringer to get him in but I think that I think he struggled a little bit with small injuries I think he's now benefited from the fact that Holm has, was injured for a long time and then he's managed to find his way back in the team because when Holm was originally out then obviously he was the one that played yeah. Um, so I think it's it's good for everybody that he's started to come into form. And I think it now gives Fargo a little bit of an issue because you've got Holm, you've got Strong, you've got Bjorndal and you've got Christensen to fit into a midfield three. Now, yeah. he managed to get away with it by playing Saori on, on the wing, but now he's out. He's got to find another solution for that. Um, so, yeah, I think he's definitely a good player in there. Uh, and it's, I, I'm still not quite sure if he's a... A box-to-box or a deep midfield, I'm not quite sure what's his best yeah. role in that yet, but it's certainly a, a benefit for everyone that he's starting to impact games a bit more. Box-to-box is more where I would see him potentially going, but again, it's it's like he needs to be playing in that position out and out every week. He needs to be doing it. And, it, and it's like with Saru. When you look at Saru on the left-hand side of that flat three, his impact on the game diminishes hugely compared to when he plays on the left wing. Like he needs to be out wide. That's and this is the issue that Borderwing have had all season. And this is why they've lost eight games, which is just insane, you know, because I feel like they've got good players in there, but he just doesn't know his best system. So for them to be with a in with a decent chance of finishing, potentially getting into Europe next season, I think that's that is quite impressive. But you look at the players and I think they really should be a lot more comfortable in the league than what they are. So yeah, they're an odd one. They're really, really odd one. But the form is with them, and I think you know, I think this this weekend at least is a very, very you know straightforward win for them. I'd be amazed if they don't win that game, you know, relatively easily. You mentioned Layuni's form back yeah. then. Um, like it's not even like he's coming into form. He hasn't really left form this season. Like of the games that he started, they've only dropped points in the game away against Glimt in the third week of the season, and against Hamcam. <laughs> So, I mean, like when he's playing, he's playing well. And it's the fact that he's just keeps getting these little injuries. Like he's never left this recent run of form. He's yeah. just not been playing. And he comes straight back in and bags a brace again. But is it form or is it is it um, 
what he brings because I would argue he's different to uh, he's different to the players that Boring have because he's got the combination of, of trickery and pace. Like I think if you look at um, I think Jakob Eng is going to be a fantastic player. By the way, in twelve months' time, he's going yeah. to be a brilliant player. They used a lot. They used Yachter a lot, uh, and he's very very quick. But he doesn't yeah. have the same trickery or, or, or quality. Uh, and then you've got Sauri, who's got an amazing amount of trickery, and he's not slow, but he doesn't have that quite same directness that that yeah. Bayouni gives you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's what gives the Voringer team a slightly different edge because it gives you a double threat on either side. Then because you've got Henderson, obviously the right back, you can overlap and and it provides the the crossing threat, and you've got Layuni who gives you the, the speed threat. Um, and I think that's that's more. You talked earlier about how like boring underperformed at the start. I don't think they underperformed. If you look statistically, they did quite all right. I think mm-hmm. the challenge was was that they had a imbalance between what they wanted to do with the ball and without the ball. And mm-hmm. one of the downsides of playing four three three, if you play with high wingers and a striker is you can be very vulnerable down the sides. And that's where Warringham was struggling. That's where, you know, teams would get at them if they turn the ball quickly or if they, if they counted through the sides and there was a lot of space to exploit. Now, I'm not going to say just because of who's gone in and out, but certainly uh, since, um, yeah, June time, they work a lot harder without the ball. And it's noticeable because it means then that they can punish more when teams are in balance and then can use those threats with pace and, and with power then to, to get to goal. Um, so I think it's, I think you always got to remember as well that when they had to change keeper and bring in Shung, they defended far deeper than they did previously because they tried to protect him a bit more. And yeah. that made them more of a threat on the counter. I think Voringer will look at this season and be disappointed how it started and probably be a little bit frustrated. But I also think they'll be very uh, encouraged then by what next year offers them. Yeah, um, because they have the basis of a, of a very good team and they've actually got some very good young players coming through at the top end of the pitch that if if Saori goes in the winter, no problem, we've got one ready. And that, yeah. that's the sign of a good recruitment model when you have that in place. Yeah, definitely. Let's just go back to your result of the week then. You agreed to me at Rosenberg, but for different reasons. Uh, no, I, I think first and foremost, it was it was you talked about uh, Lillestrøm, they, they've got a run of games now that is basically season-defining. They played Rosenborg last round, they played Glimp next round, and I think yeah. they've got Mulder in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and I think they've got uh, they had Waring obviously before that. So they've got Viking away as well. Viking away, so yeah. they're in a period now where, as I say, they could e- it could easily slip away from them because they they can't afford to lose points against teams they're playing against. Yeah. And I also think from Rosenborg's perspective, we've we talked about how much quality they have, but the reality is they've got a lot of quality in the, probably the first 14 in the squad. Mm. And then after that, it is a very thin and young and unexperienced yeah. squad. Now, again, they have some fantastic potential coming through. The, the young winger whose name I've just forgotten, uh, what's his name? 17-year-old right winger, quick. Well, we've got uh, Broholm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, him. yeah. Marius Brown. Right, he, yeah, he'll be brilliant in a year's time. Yeah, he's uh, he's sensational already. So, he's but great. but you talked about Glimt earlier about the advantage they have mental fortitude. You cannot underestimate having been in this situation before, which is something that Lillestrøm have to a point because mm. they're in it last year, uh, where they finished fourth, if I remember right. And Rosenborg have been in it before, but not for really many years. Yeah, but that lack of it in the current squad for Rosenborg might go against them if they're unlucky with injuries. 
Uh, and they've had a few crept up on them recently. Rogers has missed the last few weeks. But we look uh, better for it. I'm not here trying to slag off anybody in the team, but I just think as we've had Jan Pauli come back and he's slotted into left centre-back relatively well, way better than I thought he would. Cornish coming in, playing you know, right wing back, Dal Wrighton, right side of that back three. He looks a fit there. And he actually, ironically, looks more dangerous going forward from that back three than he ever did as a uh, wing back. We've got to remember, a wing back is quite a specialist position in the fact that when you play as a full back and a back four, you know, it is a quality to be able to come from deep. As I said, Henderson of Roaring is fantastic at it, where he comes from a very deep position and then he comes out of nowhere on the overlap and then he's a threat. But when you're a wing back, you are essentially a full back without the ball, but you're a winger with the ball. And if you're not comfortable in situations where you can take a touch and deliver a ball or you have to go past the player or whatever, if you're not comfortable with that, then it is a challenge. Yeah. Um, and I know that. On a, we, um, he was in Glimt, obviously, for, for two years before he settled back in with Rosenborg. Yeah. Um, and he is brilliant at coming deep. So that right side of the central defender where he can come up late and, and have a lot more things in front of him suits him far better than being higher up the pitch and having to receive the ball closer to goal and facing the wrong way and having to be a little bit more technically sufficient. If you compare him to someone like Pereira, he's um, geared up to be a wing-back because he's got a lot more offensive qualities to go past, but he would scare the living daylight out of me if I had to use him at a left-back. And I think that was one of the things that we seem to be at odds with this season. Do we start Tagseth? Do we start Pereira? Um, you know, with or without the ball, attacking phases, you know, defensive phases of play. It just seems like we're more solid as a team when we have Tagseth playing there. But then Tagseth's a short ass as well. So when he's on, you know, when he's far out wide and everything, and you got this like big winger or like attacking midfielder trying to run past him, he struggles with the physical side of things as well. But I think lately he's shown that he's got better at that. But I personally think we need a player somewhere between Pereira and Tagseth. We need someone that has a bit of both and a bit more physical to fit in there, you know. And I think that's a that's a big weakness in the Rosenberg side. So let me so let's put your reputations on the line. Then I can't comment because I'm in the league and I'm playing against one of the teams. If we all agreed here that Mulder are going to win the league, mm, yeah. Who? What order is second to fifth? Right. Well, second's Rosenberg straight away. Um, you, you know, looking at looking at the games that we've got left compared with Lillestrøm for example I think we're you know I think Lillestrøm are going to struggle Glimt is the one um, so they've got Lillestrøm away which you'd, I'd fancy them to win that Vorlerenga away is not a great one but then they've got Rosenborg away as well I think mm, I think we might see Mulder, Rosenborg Vorlerenga Glimt, Lillestrøm because the thing is I think Lillestrøm are going to lose quite a few of these games I, you know, and I know they're on 44 points, but I think that 44 points is going to stay like that for a good few weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if they're coming into the, what, the 27th game and they're still on 44 points. I would not be surprised if they lose the next three games in a row. Because the thing is with Lillestrøm, what they've got Glimt, Viking away, and then Mulder. Um, I, th I, th I just think they lose all three of those games. I, you know, I think they lose all of them. And then by that point, you know, we're talking about before, like the uh, mental side of things. Oh, they've been in it before. They've been in that situation before. Yeah they, yeah, they finished fourth last season. And I think it's just been a step too far and they haven't been able to catch up with what they might have expected from the first 15 games of the season. Um, and don't forget, they've got Halgerson away as well. That's really not a nice game. They've got Orlison away. I, I don't know. I, I, I think they're in trouble. I think they're in trouble. And... 
just looking at Volarenga, I think the threat that they've got and they're starting to become a lot more solid and a bit more difficult to actually beat and get anything out of a game against them. Yeah, they're only three points behind Glimt. That's the thing you see. They're only three points behind Glimt and I think Glimt are going to lose a couple of these games and they're already showing that they draw a lot of games, you know? There's nothing wrong with drawing a lot of games, just to have it said. James? <laughs> what was your top five? Say that again. Um, Mulder, Rosenborg, Volarenga, Glimt, Lillestrom. Right. I'll I'll stick with mostly the same, but I'll swap Glimt and Volarenga. So Mulder, Rosenborg, Glimt, Volarenga, Lillestrom. That's the same, but it's with two swapped in it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Glimt, I agree that I think Glimt won't be consistent in getting points I think they might have a problem with Lillestrom this week just because of Europe as we talked about already but yeah there's just some there's some tough games there's the Rosenborg away game I see them dropping points there but I think they'll have enough quality to shine through and still take third but we'll see go on then what about you I can't comment oh I'm, you, can't, gonna, you can't comment oh, okay I'm not yeah. I, I could comment but I'm not gonna put my I'm not gonna annoy any fans that live close sure. by so yeah okay <laughs> i think mold will win the league that i can say oh yeah 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 i think that's uh, yes i i think that might a be a foregone conclusion by this point yeah i think that might just be a thing that uh, we can all agree on there so we've done resort of the week what about player of the week i mean do i even need to ask i'm assuming that we're all gonna have the same answer here um, i assume so also yeah i mean toby heights was just on another level yeah, he should have had six. He should have had six. Yeah, he should have scored more yeah. than what he did, but he, but still a great, a great performance. And my goal of the week, if he meant it, it's his lob, that second goal. I'm not sure whether he meant it though. I can't work yeah. out whether he actually mishits that or not. I, I can tell I, you categorically from a coaching perspective, he mishits that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I watched that multiple times when I was thinking about goal of the week and I was like, if that is deliberate, then yeah. that's sensational. But the thing that I kept watching back more than anything was his celebration. I think yeah. if he means that, he goes in with that celebration. Yeah. <laughs> and he sort of looks around him like, I did that. I, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm saying I'm saying it was a miss hit. It's just it's just one of those things where we're talking, he's got seven shots, five on target, seven deep completions, um, 14 touches in the box. He was everywhere. He, he was just he was just absolutely insane. It was a great performance. And yeah, he should have scored more, but still, you know, fantasy is serving well as well. Yeah. You talk about his touches in the box as well. Like though all every time he gets the ball at his feet, the composure he has to like knock it round defenders before taking a shot or just like bring it in when he needs to. Like for a couple of those goals, just those tiny little touches made all the difference. Mm. And that composure just yeah, just couldn't handle that whatsoever. Who are you going with, Tom? Are you agreeing or you got someone different? In terms of player of the week? Yeah, player of the week or performance of the week. To be honest all that, I watched the game yeah. live. Obviously, we have Yag on the weekend. So I watched yeah. the game live and he was, as you said, he was everywhere, everything. That... Yeah. It was nice to see, actually, because he, he kind of, he's had a bit of a rough rise since he left Sarsborough for the first time. He went to Turkey, which is probably not the best career move in his, in his life. Mm. And then he came back and then he went somewhere else and he came back again. And, and I think the way Sarsborough plays suits him really, really well. Um, but I just wish he would take command of games more like he did against Yao in some of the other games he's played this year. I feel like he's sometimes mm. been on the, the peripheral, the edge of it, without really utilising that playmaker ability that he has. Um, goal of the week, actually, for me, is not to be a time. Goal of the week is the other goal that wasn't to be a time. 
Oh, so that's right. Uh, yes, that was a stupid my... finish. That that was that was beautiful. Um, yeah. Just because again, it was a fantastic team move, but uh, the to angle, be able to finish from that the angle, angle was, was just silly. Insane. Yeah, that's crazy. So uh, that would be that would be my goal of the week. Mm. My goal of the week, um, yeah, Selectros is is up there, but it has to be set as um, goal. Oh, shock! He's gone Rosenborg again Jesus. from the put. <laughs> the, I'm not surprised, right? But you know the goal that I want about when the yeah. whole when 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 Hulse pulls the ball back, um, yeah, on the edge of the area, ten minutes in, one nil, and he just absolutely side foots that into the roof of the net. That's that's just to make it two nil, huge finish. That is yeah. just insane. That was that Hulse's was a phenomenal press goal. to win the ball before that as well made that one for me. I didn't go with that one in the end. I've actually gone with Layuni's second. The Volaranga counterattack, the Borven through ball. Was oh, that, that was gorgeous! Yeah, yeah, that that was nice. Two touches, one into his, one out of his feet, one perfect ball for Layuni. Takes one to beat his player, couple touches to compose himself, and he he just doesn't overdo it. That's the thing I liked about that finish. Mm. He doesn't need to take it too close to the keeper. He could have tested himself, tried to beat another defender, tried to get fancy and get close to the goal, but he backed himself from that range. And rightly so, when you can finish like that. Mm. I just thought that was superb from the both of them. Well, okay, just to appease Tom, I have got a little list of other goals that I thought were sensational this weekend. Well, last weekend. Well, the weekend before last weekend, actually. You know, (laughs) Jesus Christ, this international break is messing with my head. Um, Okay, that Vic Stoll header was amazing. Yes. The ball came in and he stooped up into the top corner. And How many games has he even played this season? Has he even been involved that much? Like, like, like I don't think he has, right? Like, has he? Uh, no, three hundred and thirty-eight minutes. Like, that was his second ninety minutes of, of the of the season, and that that was just a goal out of nowhere. Like, you know, that was that was fantastic. Um, also, Chris Erickson's finish was gorgeous. Yeah, that, that one just that I just I've got a flashback a of that. I, I forgot about that one. What uh, a goal that was! Yeah, that was yeah. a good goal. The way that he picks that up on the edge of the area, just brings it in. Basically, just sacks off that defender with just one little movement and then curls it in. That that was that was absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then you've got Kamanzi as well, very similar to Serta's finish. Balls played into him and he just absolutely leathers that into the roof. I like those goals when you get the attacker attack the ball. You know those those yeah. first time finishes and they just roof them up. That's absolutely brilliant. And I guess from what you said about Borvin's, um assist, that was my assist of the week until I watched back the um, Lervik pass. And that pass from Lervik just took out that entire defence. The way that he plays it in at an angle to just just far away enough from the goalkeeper and obviously yeah. in behind all the defenders and it curls around to the far post and it's just a tap-in for Kersa. That, that was a gorgeous assist. That was absolutely beautiful. And I think the weekend before, Lervik scored a ridiculous own goal or something like that from about a yard out. So... Mentally, he looks pretty switched on for a for a younger player. I think we're going to see. Yeah, I think we're seeing good things from him in the future. Yeah, I thought he had a great game all around. Like failing, if I wasn't going to put Heinz for my performance of the week, I was considering putting the Mulder fullbacks, the pair of them, Linez and Lovic, both had great games there. Oh, Linez was really good as well. Must admit, with my goal of the week, that's partly cheating because I wanted to throw it in as my sister of the week, but couldn't deny the third Volarenga goal of that. Jukerud had about, I think it was like eight players between him and the goal when he got the ball, beat two, 
beat another for pace and then had the composure off balance to tuck it between two of the defenders straight to Christensen. And it gave him a perfect sight of goal. Like I thought the pass and the run on that was just such a complete assist. And yeah, so I couldn't, couldn't take that away from him. So I've given Boven part of goal of the week for his assist for Uni. With all these games that have gone on, I think one of the biggest annoyances and I know Tom's going to agree, and you ain't going to want to talk about it, but the odd result, I mean, Yevtovich getting a brace mm. of penalties, that's that's just, how do you how do you even account for that? How do you react as like as being part of the management staff? How do you reflect on that game with your players? Because you're thinking, well, okay, we've lost 2-0. You were going to that game knowing it's going to be tricky anyway, right? Because, you know, odd at home, you, you know, you're not expecting to win that game, but you're thinking, okay, let's go in, put a good performance in, try and get a point or snatch a win or something. And then you lose 2-0 from two penalties. How does the team not feel absolutely deflated after that? That must be so frustrating. I think it's you have to look at the entire picture. I mean, I could sit here as a stats geek and tell you that if you take away odd two penalties, we out XG odd mm. away. Uh, we have exactly 50-50 possession. We have practically the same amount of passes, successful, unsuccessful. Uh, there are so many metrics you can measure that game which suggest that it should be a draw. Yeah. But the reality is, is, is the first penalty is, by the letter of the law, a penalty, but it's an annoying one because it's handball. And that is annoying because it's it's if it was a foul or if it was a, something that's clear cut, then you go okay. But it's one of those um, subjective decisions that you you know you've seen them not given, you've seen them given. Yeah. As I say, by letter of the law, it is a penalty. He does hit his hand. He is inside the box. His hand is away from his body, so it's an unnatural position. And I think that at the time it's annoying because if you look, then if you watch the second half between the two penalties, I would say we are the better team. Yeah, I think they have one chance on the counter, which is quite a big chance. We hit the post. We have a chance of Pedersen. We have a lot of pressure. We have a lot of we have a flick on from a corner that's cleared off the line. Um, and then we just have a moment of hot headedness from from Fallon in a situation he didn't need to get involved in. Inga Brixen's been smart because he's seen the tackle coming, so he's put himself in a position to win the penalty. Again, it's penalty. Yeah, but it's cheap. Mm. And, you know, the, the unfortunate statistic is is that we've given away too many penalties in recent times, particularly away from home. Um, so, yeah, we, we can look at the performance and say, you know, we, we are very happy with a lot of things. Um, but unfortunately, we're now at a time of the season where points matter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we can talk about the the three games with, with softball, geeking and, and odds. There's three defeats. But there are things in those games that, on another day could go other ways uh, we could win at least two of those games mm. uh, I know we should win one of them but you know it, it's just that's football we have to we have to take the good things and, and try and work on the not so good things and in those situations it's simple decision making that unfortunately cost us the, the two goals now I've said this to you before um, I still think you've got enough about you um, that you're going to avoid the drop I don't think you're going to go into the relegation playoff places um, obviously because of yourselves and also when you look at the table, I just look at you and Sanford and think, okay, you're the better team. Sanford lose. You know, you draw, Sanford lose. That's basically the difference here. We're talking uh, Sanford have lost 13 games and you've drawn 11. So I think there's far more to suggest that Sanford are going to struggle to get anything out of these 
these games where you think, okay, they need to not drop points. Whereas, okay, you might not win the game that you think, oh, you could win that game, but you're more likely to draw um, than, yeah. San, than the Sanford are. And I think that one point is absolutely huge. So, I, you know, but again, it's got to be a stressful time of the season <laughs> going up towards the end. I mean, we can't, um, I can't sit here and say it's not because then, you know, one, I'd be lying and two, people wouldn't believe me anyway. Yeah. Um, but in the on the flip side to it, the situation is no different to what anyone had said it would be before the season. Everyone yeah. tipped us to be around that part of the table. Uh, the reality is, is that if you'd offered me the position we're in now uh, with seven games to go, pretty sure everyone in, in Hamar would take it. We yeah. certainly would have taken it. Um, so we just have to, you know, we have to embrace the next seven games. And, and it's it's very easy at this time of the year to say, you know, you look at sign the field's fixtures and go, well, they might win that and they lose mm-hmm. that. But the reality is this will be the time of the season where anything can happen. We we in Blink had um we had Hamcam, Songdal, Orlison, Orzano away, Yave at home who were third at the table. You know, they're all games that everyone's like, Oh, they haven't got enough points to stay up there. Yeah. Well, we ended up getting five points from the last three games. Um, and that's the great thing about football you know that is the great thing about football it's one of those things where you find the true colours of a team in that adversity we look at Christensen great example of that just all of a sudden they're starting to win these games they're starting to make a bit of a comeback and if they escape relegation as unlikely as that is that's absolutely amazing Mm. but you know we never would have thought that they would have gone on that spree of what winning three games in a row um, you know, no. I mean, like including wins against Viking and Volarenga, for example, like you're never thinking that they're going to win those games. So, yeah, there is that possibility of obviously Sanford, whatever, pulling themselves up and winning those games in an unlikely position. Uh, but I think that also applies to a ham cam as well. Yeah, you know, that's why football is such a great sport to watch, because the mental side of things is absolutely enormous and it mm. has a huge impact um, across I mean, the entire the reality game. is. The reality is, is the only team that we haven't played everyone twice, of course, but the only team that's not we haven't taken a point off at all this season is odd. So, you know, we've taken points against Viking, we've taken points against Blimp, we've taken points against Mulder, we've taken points against the Ristrom, we've taken points against Boringer. You're not pushing um, us, yeah. No, no, we, 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 we believe we can take points from anybody, but it doesn't matter what we believe now, we have to do it. And, you know, I think our, our frustration is, is that, or not frustration, but we've had 23 tight games I think yeah. the, the, the only game you would say we deservedly lost, deservedly lost was at Lurkendal, and that's you know that's no shame to say. Mm. Um, but the reality is every other game has been tight, yeah. and you know in in sometimes like you know Haugus and away we we didn't perform at our best and we got a point and, yeah. and boring at home the same. And there'd be other games like um, Salzburg away now, Rosenborg at home, uh, yeah. where we deserved. Uh, we deserve more than what we got. But that's, as you say, that's football. Let's talk top five. Top five summer signings for each of us. So as a weekly thing on the uh, Gutebrat content, we're, we're going to be talking top five whatever. So top five goals of the week, top five goals of the season, top five assists, top five defenders, whatever it is, we're going to have a different top five each week. And to kick us off, we've decided top five summer signings and we each got I'm hoping relatively different lists. James, what have you got? Who's your number? Well, I mean, I think we're all going to probably be agreed on like the number one summer signing. Yeah, I was going to say that's an easy place to start. Please don't tell me it's a Rosmore player. 
<laughs> yeah, much to Tom's delight. I mean, well, it, well, it, it just uh, has to be, to be Tengster. Like, it, it, it just in, in my be. defense, he's top of my list, so I, 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 I can't deny that one. But it's just the fact that it seems to be every time we do this list, there's a definite Rosenborg topic. Oh, here. you're gonna, yeah, you, you, you're gonna love my list then. Um, but yeah, you know, we're talking eight, <laughs> eight goals, two assists in seven games. Only eight players have scored more than him this season, and he's played seven games. And that's including Bonicia. Yeah. Like, it's just that is ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. He could finish the season like um, 14, 15 goals. You know, he could be one of the top goal scorers and he's what? And he would have played half the season. And not only that, he's benefiting the performance of Holzer and Serta so much. Like, he has brought this side together in a huge way. Oh, so Serta's not only his form... individual performance, but yeah. Yeah. Serta's form has absolutely skyrocketed since Tengstet joined. They work so well off each other up top, and Holster's just got these players in front of him that he can provide effortlessly to now. Also as well, interestingly enough, um, of any player with eight or more goals, so the same as Tengstet, only Pellegrino's got a better goal conversion rate, 35.85% for Pella and 26.67% for Tengstet. Which obviously, if we're talking about signings for the entire season, I think Pellegrino is probably number one. You know, his form has been sensational. He is on another planet. But the fact that Tengstedt isn't that far behind in terms of goal conversion, yeah, that sort of shows you just how good in front of goal he is. What about second? Who are you guys gone with? Second for me, I've gone for Moses Abie. Like, at start of the season, he couldn't finish. He couldn't hit a barn door mm. to go down that route. I mean, 11 big chances missed league high this season. So, like the fact that he's having this many big chances almost shows that he has the ability to get in the right positions to mm. get these chances presented in the right areas. But his finishing just wasn't there. He clearly needed this refresh, and it seems that that's that's done him good. Four yeah. goals in five now, Orlers, and and yeah, he doesn't look like slowing down anytime soon. What about you, Tom? Uh, I've gone for Stromberg. Actually, it's my second. Ah, nice. Um, yeah. Because I think it's. Uh, I think he's young enough that he's still got a lot to offer. And I know that there is a very common theme for Norwegian players who have been playing abroad to come back to Norway and, and finish their career there. Mm. But I think it's a bit of a statement from Voringer to have someone that very much can tighten up what has been a shaky defence for quite a while and to swap uh, Jordan's nation. Was it Jordan's nation that left? One of the central defenders anyway. Uh, was Nashberg it Nashberg? Left. Yeah, 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 Nashberg. Yeah. Um, to, to strengthen them with Stomberg with, with his international experience and, and his quality abroad, I think is, is a very uh, strong signal to send. Mm. I think they've been, I know he's been injured now, last couple of, or last round at least, but I think that they were smart with him at the start to build him up before throwing him in. Uh, and I think there'll be the questions about the fitness, but I think also that he, he just, you know, once he's had a bit of time to adjust, I think that can be a very important boring assigning in terms yeah. of the, the level that they want to get to. Yeah, agreed. Um, I've just gone with the BA second as well, mainly for his instant impact. As you said, he's come in four goals in five games and Orlesund have not been in decent form, uh, really spotty. And, you know, they find themselves down there. And I think that signing has come at the right time. They've now got a goal scorer that they know, you know, he scored four in five games, scored in his home debut against Odd, um, got a brace in his first away start against Godser. He's that kind of player that's coming in and, you know, and he's made a difference. He's made a difference straight away. And I think next season, 
I think they will still be in the elite sailing next season. Yeah, I think he's a really good player for them to prioritise up front. Third, for me, Tom's going to love this one. Um, I've gone for Cornich. Um, now, I, this is one of those ones where it's like, statistically, you're not going to get much out of looking at him in terms of his performances. He's what played 296 minutes. He's got one assist over the spread of those five games that he's played in. But as you might gather, I watch Rosenberg every time they play. And since the arrival of Cornish, we've seen Dar right and drop back to the right-hand side of that back three. Cornish in the right-wing-back spot. That has allowed, well, I think it's benefited Holser. I think it's benefited Skarsen. It's benefited Dar right and it's benefited our defence. It's benefited multiple aspects of the team. And you look at Cornish, the last couple of games, he's just looked really confident going forward. And he just looks far more comfortable as a wing-back. Going forward, he's exactly the kind of player that we need on that right-hand side. And it's just, I think it's made us look more, it's made us look more solid, more complete as a unit, certainly on the right-hand side. And I think it's a, it's a really, really big step in the right direction. And I think next season, you're going to see him play a far more integral role in our attacking play than Dar Wrighton did the start of this season, for example. So I think in yeah. terms of like future planning, I think it's great. And I think also the instant impact, the rest of that midfield and back, you know, back in defence, I think that's, both of those parts of the team have been strengthened. So for me, I think it's a really, really astute buy. Just to skip forward a little bit here, I've gone for him in fourth. I pass over my third pick just to stay on the topic of Cornish. Like it is that shuffle and the fact that right hand moving back, Borky um, able to move into a more advanced role, show what he's about even more so. Like start of this season, we talked about him a lot. And recently, he's not been allowed the opportunity to flex some of those attributes that make him so important to this. Well, right, Burke, he's been, he's been used in, you know, as a defender for multiple games, and he just isn't. He's just not a centre back. Exactly. He just makes exactly, us yeah. makes us far weaker when he, you know, when he drops deeper. He needs if he's playing, and he needs to be centre mid. That's where he needs to be, you know. And I'm not, I'm yeah. not even sure that he makes our best team at the moment. To be fair, because I would, I would, I would play Jensen ahead of him. But that's that's a yeah, whole other topic of discussion for another time. Um. <laughs> but yeah, it's just the Cornish upgrade just provides an upgrade in multiple positions just because of that reshuffle. Very similar to some of the reasons we talked about with Tengster. He yeah. benefits those around him as much as his ability benefits the side as a whole. Yeah, definitely. I've topped him in third with a player that I've picked mostly because I think he fills a void, perhaps more so than what he's actually provided so far in Diamande at Odd. Mm. Obviously, Luritsen leaving left a big space there. He's now come in and unfortunately almost immediately gotten himself injured, which doesn't bode well. But I think that he really does have some ability that will shine in the elite Syrian. He's got a pretty good goal-scoring record almost everywhere he's been. Last time in Norway, scored 17 in 21 for Stabayek. More recently in the MLS, he got 20 goals in 44 games over two seasons. He doesn't like struggle anywhere except Mm. in England at Hull really like out of his depth completely in that side came off the bench for most of his 60 odd games and besides that his career he averages a goal every 2.2 games and that's every country he's been in every league he's been in barring the Prem so I think he's got definite reason to be looked at as a good replacement for Loritzen. Just hopefully his injury isn't too bad and you know that's 
it's a shame that is because he started quite well and we you know we both backed him in fantasy as well we were like yeah bring him in because we you know you look at his goals on record as you say as the main focal point of that odd attack you you would back him to score more than not yeah for sure what about you tom what's your third pick uh mine's probably a little bit controversial just because of the sheer money that was spent on it uh but i've gone for grunbach or grunbeek uh in glip i think he is there's two reasons I've picked it. Number one, I think it's a signing that isn't often seen in the league. I think mm. normally when you, when you look at the league, it's signings are made either as potential or, like we said, Norwegians that have been abroad that come home. Uh, it's not often that you you have a player like him who is potential still, but has done a lot already uh, and has some X factors that are completely different to what the league has um, I think the goal he scored against PSV is something that we're going to see more and more of. And I think in reality that Vettelson likely to go in the winter. And with Pellegrino, you know, he's not he's still the most effective player forward line, but he's not getting any younger. Um, I think it's it's something that in 12 months' time we're going to be talking about, you know, how long is he going to stay in the league for? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, obviously, that Glimp spending it was 100 million or 80 million kroner in a, in a summer window is something that's particularly good but you know I think for that signing in particular I think it's what I've seen so far I think it's something really really exciting and I think it's just I think he'll play more now now that they've had um, the the time to train I think that he suffered from coming in when everything was still going on and, and as we know Glimpse is a very set team they have a very set and specific roles you have to follow and that's that um, so I think that they've used him more out wide and used him off the bench because of that but I think once he finds that flow I think he's going to be a very very good player Oh he's a real talent he's, he's a real talent he really is um, and as you say Pellegrino's age his fitness you know it's a really good replacement to have but then the issue is as you said how long is he going to be in the league for if he is that good you know um, and, and we talk about what is um, just over two and a half million um, pounds on him four million on Berg you know, as you said, they're spending a hell of a lot of money. And everyone everyone on Twitter was really quick to suggest, oh, Mulder have paid over the odds for, you know, Chris Erickson and all that. What, just over a million, just just over a million pounds on him. And you're thinking those two have come in for what, nearly seven million quid together? You know? Yeah. You know, and I think you know, I think Ericsson's a really good buy. Um, might be a little bit much, but you know, I think for Mulder, that's that's that that has been a really really good you know, acquisition. And let's not forget, Glimt bought Salverson for a very similar price to what Mulder spent on Ericsson as well. And you can't and we can't really say that Salverson has been a success at Glimt yet. I'm a big fan of Salverson. You know, he's one of my favourite players in the league, but he's been struggling a little bit to make the impact that we thought that he would. Um, so I think with Grunbeck, obviously as you said, his talent is there, but he's also got a stupid amount of potential. He's got so much yeah. potential, and I think he really could be. I think they're going to make money off him. I, and I know they're bought him for a lot of money, but I, I, I think they'll make a decent amount of money off him because I, I think he's going places. I really, really, really do. My fourth transfer has to be Len Olsen. Like, I know he's not come in and, you know, ripped up the league like he did before. But the thing is, they've, they've got him for free. As far as I can work out, they've got him for free, and that they, they obviously made money on him when they sold him for almost half a million. And then they've got him back for free. Didn't really do anything when he left, but he scored 26 goals last season. Do you know what I mean? And they've just picked him up again. 
they're just welcoming him back into a relatively largely unchanged squad. There's a few differences here and there, but you know, he's just going to be slapped back into that place. And you look at Aker Adams, and I, I really rate him. I think Adams is re- is a really, really decent player for the future. Been unfortunate with injury, kept him out for the what, last eight, nine, ten weeks or whatever it is. He might start this weekend now. But to have Lerner Olsen um, with Aker Adams as an understudy, someone to learn from him, I just think that's massive. I think it's huge for Adams. I think it's huge for the rest of the team. Um, and I think for next season, they're going to be really, really confident with their front line at least. You know, I think they do need to strengthen other areas, but they've got a proven, prolific monstrous centre forward there in their team. That's just huge. I think it's absolutely massive. And yeah, he scored one goal and got one assist in the four games that he's played this season. But, you know, I think going forward, yeah, I I think that's a great buy. I really, really do. And the thing is, he will be the player to punish those weaker sides. So say they're playing a team where they might struggle with or whatever, or you think, oh, they're going to throw away this game or whatever. He's able to just step up and just absolutely annihilate them. Sort of like Berisha at Viking, that kind of impact on the rest of the team. He's a very, very talismanic player. I really like your take there regarding Adams. Like the presence of Adams in that squad was a reason for me not to include Leonard Olsen in my list. Like obviously a fantastic signing and to make money off him in such a way is like... It's excellent for Lillestrøm, but I took that as perhaps they didn't need him as much. He wasn't as essential of a signing. So that was my my justification for excluding him. But the thought that he's going to come in and just improve Adams further is is a good take. I like that. Who's your number four, Tom? Well, I'm going to link number four and five together because I, they're basically in the team or in the in my list for the same reason. Uh, and my number four was actually Verbion Hoff. Ah, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and my number five was Shita from uh, Viking, because I think that both of them, as loan signings to the end of the season, uh, have strengthened both Odd and, and Viking in ways that they really were crying out for it, based yeah. on who they lost. So you talked, obviously, about uh, Diamanda replacing Larrison. Uh, I think Hoff replacing Kitalano was as important, if not yeah. even more important. Um, and obviously yeah. Hoff has, has for whatever reason not played Rosenborg and, and there, there'll yeah. be a debate about that but there's no question that he he fits in seamlessly into this odd team uh, he's played a lot in this kind of midfield but inverted left back that comes in late in the box type role he offers experience to quite a young squad without being too old he, he's at the perfect age and close to his prime he's obviously uh, played an odd before which is obviously a big bonus um, and I think Shooter for Viking was actually the opposite way. He obviously replaced Fridjofsson, who, who went to Greece or Cyprus or wherever he went. Um, and I think having a, a young, technical, um, a bit of a flair attacking midfielder was what that Viking team needed at mm. the time because it got a bit flat. It got a bit predictable and was a bit sort of stale and, and it needed a little bit of something different and I know he, he got assist I think on his on his first start and I think he scored as well since he's joined um, I've just been really really impressed from from what I've seen from both of them and the impact that they've had you know both both teams odd have been on a brilliant run of yeah. results recently uh, and Viking have now turned what was a pretty poor trend so for me both of them as short term fixes that allow the two clubs to plan for next year um, by some time. Um, yeah. I think they were both very, very good and also very, very important signings. Yeah, I was tempted to include Hoff 
and my list, but I thought you'd just refuse to come back for another episode because of all the Rosenborg <laughs> uh, links, to be honest. But no, like you say, great. Absolutely ridiculous to be able to just go and grab him till the end of the season. As you say, slots in effortlessly into that team. Um, there's been debate in my head about whether he should have been playing for Rosenborg because I thought last season he was one of our better players before his injury. Um, he looked really, really good for a lot of the time. Um, so it's just one of those things where, yeah, I'd have been able to pick him up and utilise him really, really well. I don't know too much about the Viking guy, but yeah, I've seen a bit of his impact. And, you know, I thought he, decent talent, but one for the future, sure. Um, and that sort of leads me nicely onto my fifth sign-in, Junekti at Haugesund. Right, he's played seven minutes. So let's not get too carried away here. Seven minutes. But really, really highly rated. Really highly rated. Like, I know he's been banged on about in Norway for a bit. Maybe there's, he's just not really been given the chance at Glimt. So I think he's gone to Haugesen, and it's a permanent deal, as far as I'm aware. So it's not just like yeah. a loan deal, it's a permanent deal. Look, so Samuelson has been a disappointment. Holton hasn't worked. Um, Seferius has far surpassed anyone's expectations. He's been absolutely brilliant. Huge, huge player. Mad Sander has been using a more advanced role than I thought he would be for the majority of the season. Now they've got someone who's like tailor-made to play in that attacking wide position. And I think next season... Next season, I think he's going to be involved. He's going to be talked about a hell of a lot. I, I think he's a great buy. If he gets a really good off-season in between now and the start of the next campaign, I think we, we, we could see a real player turn out here, you know? I think I think just adding, because I worked with him when I was in Glimp, so I, I, know, I know him. Uh, yeah. And I think he... I think Glimp came too soon for him. I yeah. think he needed to... He needed to, not so much footballing-wise, he's always been a talented player um, and he works much harder than I think his reputation was was given for him. Mm. Um, but I think the challenge he had was he went and joined the team who was on the up. And I think from a maturity perspective, he couldn't handle that. And yeah. I think if you asked him now, I think he would he would say himself that if he was if he knew what he knows now then, then I think he would have done things differently. Um, he, he his debut was against Ashley Christensen, the famous game that um, Marius Lauder scored from 40 meters off the half volley on the top corner. Uh, that was his debut, and and it was a how do you call it an accidental debut. Yeah. Uh, Jens Petter was either sick or was unavailable the morning of the game, so he was thrown straight into the starting lineup. And we talked before about how uh, important relations are in that glint team. That you have, you know, everyone has to know exactly what everyone's going to do at any particular point. Um, he didn't. He played against the Christensen team that were very well organised, had a very good game plan that day to prevent Glimp playing centrally. Um, didn't really get into the game, and then he kind of got plastered with that for a long time. And then he went on loan to Groningen, obviously thinking that he was going to get a big move. And he was Glimp turned down a bid from Atalanta, which didn't particularly impress him either. So then he had a little bit of a drop. Um, but I think since the Holland trip, when he came back this summer, the only things I've heard are positive. And yeah. how much harder he's working, and how much uh, how much more mature he is. Uh, and I think that maturity now, um, alongside his talent, that's clearly there. Uh, I agree. I think I think whichever team picked him up was going to pick up a bit of a rough diamond. Yeah, uh, Harrison have a reputation of turning rough diamonds into diamonds. Uh, I thought he might actually go back to Trumsa, but I think, I don't know whether Trumsa couldn't afford him or, or whatever, but I thought that's where he'd go. Um, but I, I think, as you say, I think next year will be 
a, a very good year for him if he can stay fit. Yeah, that's the big if. And I think when this season ends, he needs to be able to have a really, really good focused transition from this season to the next. And I think that's what's going to determine how we'll do next year. But it it seemed to come out of nowhere, that move. And I was like, oh, shit, he's gone to Haugerson. Like, oh, okay, that's a bit crazy. And I was talking with um, like a couple of people saying, like, oh, is he actually going to play in this game or what? And I think he came on for like seven minutes and we we're like, oh, okay, he could have done with maybe half an hour before. But again, as you say, if his fitness isn't quite there, probably not going to see as much of him as we'd want to um, this season. But yeah, ne- next season, I think we're going to be looking at a really, really good, really good addition to that squad. James, what about you, your fifth wrap up your list yeah down a similar vein to what tom was saying i've also gone for hoff as my fifth pick same reason i picked diamande as the necessary replacement for Loritzen. i think that hoff is going to come into this side as the replacement for kitalano and provides exactly what i'd need in that role i think tom spoke pretty much for me like what i was going to say there he's just ideal he's slotted in he's performing already and i can't see that changing like He's just what they need. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, for me, I think I think we're pretty much done. To be honest, we've 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 covered everything that we wanted to to uh, talk about. Next week, we'll have a different top five. I haven't decided on that yet, and potentially have another guest come on to talk about this weekend's up- upcoming games as well. Um, but yeah, cheers for coming on both of you. Cheers for giving your input and your thoughts. And hopefully it's a sign of things to come with the rest of the content. Just uh, hope we get three points this weekend. Yes. Um, hope I'm hoping everyone's team does, obviously, apart from uh, James's. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah. And he's, and he's frozen again. What on earth is going on? Brilliant. <laughs> it's almost like... I don't know what's happening. Do you know the old uh, Zoom meetings they did on lockdown? And there were the people that used to put like a picture in front of the camera. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of times it just could be your picture just there. And then it just falls down and there you actually are. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right, guys. Cheers to that. Uh, until next time. 